Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's me, Colin, your beloved co-host of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for downloading our show and for supporting us. If you like what we do, consider telling a friend or leaving us a nice review on a podcast service of your choice. And if you really like us, like really, venture on over to Patreon and subscribe to Colin's Last Stand. Doing so gains you access to the weekly Sacred Symbols supplemental podcast we call Sacred Symbols Plus. And you can also get ad-free access to every standard episode of the show, like the one you're listening to right now, three days earlier than the public. Other perks include submitting your inquiries and thoughts to be used on the show, and you can even determine some of the games we record Let's Plays for. I'll be frank, Colin's Last Stand's Patreon is a bonanza of value. And hey, we have merch too, so check it out at tinyurl.com sacredshirts So consider showing your support if you can or even want to. But hey, if you want to just keep listening like you are right now, that's cool too. We love you either way. Enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 61. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Chris Christopher <laughs> Raygun. I didn't like that. That was exactly how my mom says it. Christopher. That's exactly it. I'm Christopher. Kind of, I'm, trying to, it I'm trying to do my Sopranos a little bit as well. I don't know if it's working. It makes no enough. sense. My no. parents are Puerto Rican, yeah. but they all sound Italian. It makes, yeah, well, it makes zero sense. I guess that's New York, though, I guess. Yeah, a little bit of a synthesis. Everything is Italian in New York, regardless. Got a bit of Mediterranean, a little bit of Caribbean, etc., etc., etc. It's a friggin' mess. Going on over there. Yeah, I'm trying to do the, you know, Christopher from yeah. The Sopranos. What's his What's his girlfriend's name? I can't even remember her his girlfriend's name anymore. I've never seen The Sopranos. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's shocking. What? Really? Yeah, that's shocking. Ah. What a great show. Oh, it's a great show. It's like one of the greats. I'm sure it's probably great. I just, I just, at this point, it's been so long that I even question whether or not it's worth watching at this point. Does it, would it hold up to something current? I think so. Yeah. I, I watched it a few years ago for the third time. And yeah, it's a little dated in some, some sense. Yeah. It's in the late 90s and early 2000s. Because well, yeah, people were like, you should watch The Wire, man. And I watched The Wire and I was like, all right, I guess that's a thing. I wasn't feeling it at all. Uh, I I like The Wire a lot. It scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. See, HBO had a few shows when I was in high school that were really scary to me. And that was one of them. And Oz was the other show. Oz Oz is creepy. Dude, Oz used to scare the shit out of me. I don't even know, like, why I used to watch it. Like, just really intense scenes of, like, 
prison rape and like all sorts of really sh- cra- <laughs> it, like every a, episode i'm like what the fuck yeah it's a, it's a fucked show and every time i was you know when i was in 11th or 12th grade watching it i'd be like i can't never go to prison i can't go to prison <laughs> it's a scared straight program it was basically sh- scared straight for me exactly <laughs> and we had scared straight kind of thing a uh, kind of thing at my school i didn't go to it but my ex-girlfriend uh, went to it we dated when we were adults we went yeah. to high school together and she we always told the story about how the prisoners made her cry at the uh, did you have dare or was street. that uh after we had dare dare, dare was dare kind was of fun. dare was kind of waning by the time you know mid-90s because that was a really big thing in the mid 80s late 80s early 90s we had dare i remember i had a, we had a big dare campaign yeah and it all, all it made me think was like what's cocaine what is that i'm curious now because i had no idea I don't remember one thing that ever was told to me in a day or classroom. It's how I learned about drugs. And the only thing it did was like, oh, I'm curious. (laughs) It's like it seems like it's the exact opposite of what it's supposed to be. It's kind of like health class about, you know, they teach you how to put on the condom or whatever. And they teach you how to do this, that and the other thing. And I'm like, I don't I don't know anything about this. Everything I learned was from a Playboy magazine. And now you're really showing me in motion. Yeah. I mean, no one's banging in the classroom. not saying that. Right. It's a little weird. It's like, here's a bowl of condoms. Here's I'm like, this is a whole new world to me because I'm just I'm sitting. Dude, every one of your things is going off right now. I hate I hate technology. First, Chris's watch, his Apple watch. I wish they just called it the iWatch. Yeah, it's a missed opportunity. But uh, he threw it across the room. He literally threw it across the room at a (laughs) stack of toys I have over there. And then uh, his phone went off as well. And he was. uh, I'm getting sick of it. Quite I don't like that, that everything is connected now. Like yeah. when I get a Skype call, my my computer goes off, my laptop, my phone, my watch. It's insane. It's needless. It's like when I, I go on iTunes sometimes to look at our reviews on there. Remember, you can leave us reviews. This is a this is a podcast, by the way. We promise it's a PlayStation podcast. <laughs> and I go on iTunes sometimes and then it just starts randomly downloading all of the podcasts I have in my library. And I'm like, well, I didn't ask you to do that. I don't know what's going on here, but I didn't ask you to do it. It's bad. I didn't ask you to do it. Now, Chris, here on episode 61 of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, we're looking forward to seeing you guys at PAX West next week. I'm only kidding. We're not going <laughs> yeah. to see you at PAX West because they kicked us out. Yeah. Oops. They can go fuck themselves. By the way, they did reimburse me for my flights. Oh, good. And uh, all of this. They can still eat my asshole, though. Just want to be real clear about that. Thanks yeah. for the money, suckers. Uh, oh, by the way, the other thing, speaking of money, is as everyone knows, weeks ago when we were kicked out of PAX, I offered to reimburse the pe- anyone who wanted up to 20 people, anyone that was going to go see us. They were kind of out the 55 bucks. I have been meaning for weeks to have Chris sign the letters that I'm writing and I keep forgetting. <laughs> so the, the checks have not gone out. I promise you those will go out this week. Thank you for your patience. I just wanted to make sure we both signed them. Yeah. And then I forget because Chris and I send out a lot of things and and I forget, frankly, a lot yeah, of times. That's fair. Because we, we, you come here and we're getting shit done, right? Yeah. We're it's taking work. care of business. <laughs> TCB, right? Taking care of business. That's right. I, I forget. Cra- I, I forget everything it. before today. I'm really having a hard time, dude. Sometimes I'm playing. I think it's. I think it's the weed as well that's doing this to my short term memory. Obviously, over many years. But like, I'm playing games sometimes. Like I'm playing Control. We're gonna talk about that in a little while. Right, right. And I'm like, what was I supposed to do? You know, it's like <laughs> when you get up and go into the kitchen and you forgot why you're there. Yeah. Like literally five seconds after they tell me what. So I'm like, wait, what? It's just that, but constant. <laughs> that's like basically my life and yours as well. I think. Chris, I wanted to remind everyone, again, we have merch, tinyurl.com slash sacred shirts. I wanted to throw up, we have some new items up there, including coffee mugs, which look pretty good, and a pillow with our logo on it. If you want to rest your head on a pillow with a sacred symbols (laughs) logo on it. you want to drool all over our logo. You can do that as well. After a hangover. tinyurl.com slash sacred shirts. I I feel like this podcast is so inane to some people that they're (laughs) they're probably drooling as if they're sleeping right now. Exactly. It's inducing uh, temporary comas. 
Also, Sacred Symbols Plus is still rolling for the uninitiated. Sacred Symbols Plus is now our additive podcast. We do every week. It is only for CLS patrons. And remember, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand for early ad-free access to this show, access to Sacred Symbols Plus, and lots of other perks, including voting on topics, voting on Let's Plays. Chris, we have a new Let's Play poll up, and I have to tell you that the decision has already been made, even though the poll doesn't end until the end of the month. What is it? And it's you playing Mega Man. Uh, okay. So we're going to do that. We'll record oh, that maybe man. next week. And not this week's Sacred Symbols Plus, but I think next week's Sacred Symbols Plus will be a spoiler cast for Control, which again, we're going to talk about in a little while. So that will be kind of our first major game-centric deep dive right. into uh, into a product. And as I promised at the beginning... When I did Sacred Symbols Plus, I said all, and I did say this, many of you might not remember, all spoiler casts will eventually go live for free for everybody on the normal feed. That's a little nice gesture. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? A lot of you were freeloaders. A lot of you couldn't give a fuck less. (laughs) Whether I had any food on my plate to put in my face or not, you don't care if I have anywhere to live. You don't care about any of that. Fine. You can have the control. It's your fault for making the ad read so good. We keep getting getting feedback on this. (laughs) They're good ad reads. And our ad agency is loving it. By the way, I bet. But no, I appreciate that because Chris is very funny. Like I'm, I consider my, I consider my humor underrated. I think I'm funnier. <laughs> I think I'm funnier than people that give me credit for because I always play the straight man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. And thank you. Uh, but Chris is obviously a very, very funny guy. And uh, so whenever I can make Chris laugh, it's it's actually quite heartening to me, right? Because Chris is naturally funny, and uh, it doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to have to try that hard. And I'm actually really excited to see your stand up because you said you're going to go mm-hmm. do stand up. What is that? I'm going to go. I'm going to go support you. Well, listen, hold on. I don't know if I'm going to invite anybody yet. I'm still oh. working through it. OK. You know, but I'm I'm going to start, I think, uh, this this coming week going out and trying it trying it out. I did it twice. I did two open mics. Oh, I, didn't I did that. pretty good the first time. The second time I bombed horrendously. Really? It was like really traumatizing. Yeah. The second time that has to. Ha- well, so you had like a, almost like a beginner's luck kind of thing going on. Maybe. In the oh, yeah. hundred percent beginner's luck because I went out and the guy who was on before me was like freakishly tall so his mic stand was like way up so i got like a nice visual gag off like in the very beginning so i was already like on a good foot that's excellent yeah it was perfect well, but then the second time was like ooh, i'm excited for you i think that that's uh that's gonna be great and you know we have some new videos that you're coming you're gonna have coming out in the coming weeks as well so keep an eye out oh for yeah that. i'm sure yeah for uh, for chris as well he has no schedule so yeah it's it's all it's all fucked it's all in the wind but hey, I'm looking forward to the to your to your to your last play, to your stand up end. Thank you, man. We'll I'll invite people goes. once uh, once I have something down. I'm gonna be I can be like Kramer in the audience for Jerry when he was bombing in order that Banya <laughs> has a bad set after him because Banya is always like going off on his high. <laughs> I don't know if you want to bring like up, the guy uh, that's like laughing in his. St- I don't know if you want to bring up Kramer and sign and and stand up. Oh yeah. <laughs> God, that was a long time ago. Now. That was a long 2006. I feel like a lot of people might have even forgotten that happened or didn't know that that happened. Whoops. For people, <laughs> for people that are confused, uh, Michael Richards, who plays Kramer on Seinfeld, he d- hasn't really done anything else. He did do that one really weird sitcom for a year in yeah. the early 2000s where he was like a detective or yeah, something that like wasn't, that. that wasn't great. But uh, he used a racial term yes. that's not good. And it was caught on camera. And this is like a very primitive kind of, this is like pre-cell phone cameras, I think. Or this is the first viral yeah. kind of cancel culture-ish kind of thing that ever happened. And do you remember that Jerry Seinfeld went on like Letterman or Leno yeah, or something? and he had and, like, a call in via Skype. And people were laughing, thinking it was like a, a, a bit. Very weird. Very, very weird. strange time. But he did ride it out. Yeah, he did. He did ride it out. Uh, also, Chris, this week we're going to do a Dreams Let's Play as promised. By the mm-hmm. time you hear this show on free feeds, it will already be live. Patrons will have to just be a little bit more patient. I downloaded it. Sony ignored me, ignored my, you know, shocking... <laughs> 
shockingly, they're always really great <laughs> about answering my emails over there at Sony PR. I asked for a code. They just ignored me probably because we've been doing nothing but talking shit about the game or me specifically. But I paid for it, downloaded it. We're going to play it. We're going to do our thing. We're going to give it uh, the open mind treatment. Well, we're going to get your money's worth, Colin. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Chris, as everyone knows, you can write into us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand, just like Richard Dufflow then did, did, Richard Dufflow did. I don't have a question, but your guys' Titanfall 2 Let's Play inspired me to go back and get that bastard becomes the master trophy for my 173rd platinum. According to PSM profiles, the platinum took me two years, eight months, and one week to earn as I tried once and gave up back when the game released. So we're inspiring people out there with our Let's Plays. It's, yeah, I mean, inspiring people to play Titanfall 2 is, yeah. you know pretty low on the inspiration totem pole but i mean i'll take it yeah i'll take what i can get i guess we're moving people in some way which <laughs> i'm happy about i haven't gotten the platinum yet now that like the hard trophies out of the way because i i actually want to see if i can earn the platinum like a millisecond after i earn another platinum in other words i want to like earn a platinum trophy and then go into titanfall and do what i need to do and the platinum pops and then i can have these two platinum trophies that pop like 10 minutes apart because that's kind of the life i lead at yeah. this point those are the things that get me excited you got to get your joy from somewhere <laughs> I'm trying right now. It's just in this little black box. That's where I'm getting all the joy Good of the GI Joes. And by the way, what do you think? All the, I'm getting rid of all this shit. This is all going out. Oh, wow. Everything over there. What the hell? That's so, a lot. So it's all my games. They're all going to my brother. And then I traded a bunch of these toys and these high value. Well, that's not really getting rid of it. If it's going to your brother, you're cheating. You're just putting it in storage. Yeah. <laughs> Dagan is basically my storage unit. Well, he want, he has a very extensive game collection, and I'd like to fuse our game. We have already, but fuse our game collections, maybe give it to his son one day or something. Yeah. But then the other stuff is going uh, traded to my friend Kenneth in Ohio for G.I. Joe's. So all those are going out there as well. Hey, man. It's exciting time. It's, uh, <laughs> it's something. Chris, I wanted to encourage everyone that listens to our show that has a PS4, which is, I think, all of you. Keep an eye out on your email, because I don't know if you saw this, mm-hmm. but... Sony is randomly sending out free copies via code of Astrobot Rescue Mission on PSVR. I don't know why. No one understands where these are coming from or why they're doing this or what you have had to have done to get it. But that's like a $30 value. So just keep an eye out. Don't, you know, check your spam. Maybe you got a free copy of the game. It's supposed to be very good. Yeah. So I just wanted to let you guys all know. That's that. weird. Chris, Adam Barnes wrote into us and said, what's up, my bi-curious lovebirds? I don't know about that. Are you bi-curious? No. I'm not, again, I don't want to go too deep into this. I'm not bi-curious, but I think that I'm bi-something. Bipolar, maybe? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Have you guys seen the Horseshoe PS5? Is that actually what they put out? If that's what they actually put out, I might just end it all. No. Um, so for people that don't know. The dumbest thing I've ever seen. There are these images of dev kits going around that are purported to be PS5 dev kits. And now a guy named Matt Stott at Codemasters apparently tweeted it and he deleted it saying that they're real and that they have them at Codemasters, which would make some sense. This is still a strange one to me because the unit doesn't come out for 14, 15 months at the earliest. There's no way the design is finalized. Yeah, I don't think that the design is finalized and the dev kits would be the last things that would be given out. Not, you know, you can, they're giving them specs and they're making the games on PC. The dev kits will go out after they finalize everything. So I'm a little remiss to call this one what it is, which... I think it's fake, but I don't really know. It looks dumb. It looks dumb as shit. The PS4 dev kit, by the way, didn't look anything like that. The PS4 dev kit looked like basically a silver computer tower on its side. That was what it was. Yeah, yeah. 
They're usually they're usually pretty bereft of any like f- design flourishes, as far as I remember. Every dev kit I've ever seen is either just like what the console will end up looking like, but like a different shade, or just like a really featureless machine. Right. That's I, usually the way it is. And now yeah. again, PCs. Like I don't think that dev kits are even really necessary yeah. because of the x86 architecture. I think and all of that. But I wanted to throw that out there. We saw it. Maybe it's real. I'm just really doubtful that it's real for a lot of re- like the biggest reason of all is why would Sony give a finalized mock-up of the console to devs that can then leak? It doesn't it just doesn't make any sense. Well, it's that, but also just the form factor of that stupid thing makes no sense whatsoever. Like none of it. Yeah, it's like a V. It's a dumb looking thing. I was wondering, like, is it a V? Maybe if it's real, is it's it a like v the, for it's a like five? the boomerang controller. But like if 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 that dumb design was the system itself. It's like, no way is that real. I'm calling bullshit. I hope it's not. We'll see. Yeah, I, I am as well. Callan Kelly, and I, I don't know how to say your name. I think this is like a, like a Gaelic name. It's C-A-O-L-A-N with some flourish on one of the letters. I don't know. Okay. I don't yeah. know how to speak that language. I don't understand it. But I'm going to say your name is Callan Kelly. It's like cursive in print. Hey, CNC, just wanted to point out that last week, the Agent Collins Scarn comment someone made was for a reference to Threat Level Midnight from the U.S. Oh, office. right. Michael Scarn. Right. I totally forgot about that. Me too. Yeah. So I wanted to throw that out there. And Andrew Thompson had another correction. He said, hello, co- cost basis, Colin, and credit crisis, Chris. <laughs> a slight correction in the last episode while discussing trade, Colin said that the yield curve inverting always predicts a recession. This is a common mistake, but it is not true. The yield curve inverts before each recession, but recession does not follow each inversion. This may seem like semantics, but it is an important distinction. I think I understand what you're saying, Andrew. Way to go, idiot. Nonetheless, just keep your comments to yourself. <laughs> Trent Sinning wrote in and said, hey, guys, what are your thoughts on Shrek and Han Solo dressing the same? I felt like this is an important matter that needs to be discussed. I noticed that a long time ago, and I I never felt comfortable addressing it. Yeah, I don't. Do you have any anything to say about that? Because when he said that to me, I immediately understood and... Uh, <laughs> And I didn't want to understand. That's the worst thing is when somebody says something that should sound like complete and utter, and utter nonsense, but it just totally clicks and you're not comfortable about it. Any of it. It's like half this podcast <laughs> at this point. By the way, you guys are getting real bold with your is this food, this thing, is this that, you know, you yeah. can keep doing that, but you got to be real good to make the show at this point. I don't want to hear about guacamole is something guacamole something. I don't fucking know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> So just real, I felt a little agitated there. I felt like a little that angry. That was genuine there. rage there. So just relax out there. And finally, Kyle Tisdale has an interesting question now that we've been talking so much about Five Guys and now that I pretty much exist only on Five Guys. He asks, what do you get on your burger at Five Guys? Chris is also a big fan. Yeah. I'm a standard person. I just think their basic ass burger is really good. I get the, the bacon cheeseburger with, you know, lettuce and tomato and that's that's it. Mm, interesting. Lettuce and tomato. OK. Yeah. What's interesting about Five Guys is they have just this smorgasbord of options. You can get right. like A1 steak sauce on your burger. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, that's too much. I get mayo, ketchup, grilled onions and extra cheese. Mm. The extra cheese is is just so the thing, important. The thing for me is like I like my burger to be maintained. I don't like my burger to fall apart. Mm. I'm not that person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can't do the, oh, mayo, and then I got to, like, clean my hands. Eh. You tried the uh, hot dog uh, by my request uh, a week or two ago. Yeah, it was good. It's good, right? Yeah, it is. It ain't bad. I was really surprised by that. Now, I'm, I, there have been times I've ordered where I've just gotten hot dogs. I will say, though, I've ne- I haven't ordered a hot dog since then. Okay. And you've been since. And uh, I've been since. Yeah. Okay. Several times. Probably okay. more than I should. Right. No, I hear that. It's right down the street from me. Like, it's, it's really bad. So I'm doing the OMAD, the one meal a day diet, which is, like, maintaining my, <laughs> right, my right. weight. 
And I, it just comes very natural to me as we discuss. I'm not really hungry during the day, so I'm not really like it's not like a challenge. And but what's a what's a challenge is not eating more food because I order. This is typically what I order at night from Five Guys. I'll get two cheeseburgers, which are two double cheeseburgers. That's a huge and a hot dog. Jesus Christ! And fries. Uh huh. And a Coke. And there's a lot of fries because it's always a lot of fries with Dude, Five Guys. I love the, dis- the, the the fucking look of disdain on the drivers, you know, the Postmates <laughs> person when they have to have this soak this bag just soaked in grease and they're just <laughs> handing it to you and it's barely like staying together. And I'm like, couldn't they give you something else? I know this is a nice, fun tradition at Five Guys to have the soak the bag soaked with grease, but probably not the best for your uh, your upholstery. The bag will soak with grease even if there's nothing left in it. It's awesome. Which is baffling. It's salt and grease. Yeah. I love the salt that gets on the aluminum foil that oh, wraps yeah, the yeah. burger because then it's on your finger. Dude, it's a real special thing going on at Five Guys. <laughs> and a lot of people have been, when I when I talked about it, because I tweeted out last week, Chris, none of you have the strength to eat as much Five Guys as I do. None of you have the spirit. I definitely don't. To, to eat as much Five Guys as I do. None of you have the staying power, the will. To eat as much Five Guys as I do. I love Five Guys, and I am revolted by everything I'm hearing right now. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. Did you see the pictures I tweeted out of po- my Postmates receipts? Where it's just, it's <laughs> yeah. just like the day and the time, and it's just every day or every other day. It's Five Guys. <laughs> We're keeping it real. I'm a, I might die. Yeah. Might I mean, die. yeah. You know, who knows? I'm most concerned about getting diabetes. But ah, I, that's fake news. But I don't think I'm going to because I went to the doctor last year, and I didn't. I wasn't at risk at all for diabetes. Which is not that surprising. I'm not like eating sweets and like mainlining Coca-Cola and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't, you know, and my and the one meal a day is supposed to be very good for getting toxins out of your body and all of this as well. As I sit on the couch and uh, watch G.I. Joe episodes. Yeah. Know, at four in the morning. No healthier lifestyle. By the way, hey, I saw that movie uh, Hereditary. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Episode? I've seen that. That was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. I just watched it last night. It's good. It was free on Amazon. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Well, creepy. I want to see that other one now that that, that gentleman did Midsummer. Midsummer, yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. Also, I recommend The Witch. I think that's by someone else, but that was another good horror movie. Chris, let's talk about the game. I promise it's twenty minutes, and I promise this is a. Uh, <laughs> I promise it's a PlayStation podcast. Chris, we have both been playing Control. Yeah, I am incredibly interested to hear what you think of it. What say you? The only problem that I've had with it so far is that the frame rate's a bit hitchy sometimes. Mm, definitely. But Especially as, when you pause and go back in. Yeah, it, yeah. Whenever I get it, whenever a trophy pops, I notice that mm. like the game will just like lock up. And yeah. <laughs> it's a weird, uh, that, t- on a technical front, that's a, that's a little bit jarring. But I really like it. And I'm not even really sure why, because it's so mind-numbingly confusing. I don't know what the hell's going on. The, it's, not like it's, it's not like the story's all that confusing. But it, but it also is. It's, it feels like a very straightforward thing that's just lathered in gibberish. And it's kind of... It feels like I'm high when I when I play it. Yeah. I am high when I'm playing it, so I don't know what, I, what a normal... I can't even imagine what that would be like at that point. Because it's, it's already a, a trippy experience. But I really, I really like it. I, I dig just the progression of it. I like the... the the, the the powers that you eventually get like flying is like a huge deal when you get flying and just I feel like telekinesis is just so fun and I don't know why it's not more of a common thing because it's always so satisfying to rip cement out of the ground and chuck it at anything even if it's just a wall you know it's great it's really really kinetic yes very much you have to move the game actually tells you very early on to keep moving and it's a really important survival technique let's say in the game i agree i think that the game is really fun to play i have complaints about it i I Mm -hmm. don't understand why it's open the way it is i i 
I didn't pay it. I don't pay attention to games before they come out very much from a preview standpoint and stuff like that. I, I want to be surprised. So I didn't realize that it was so, I don't want to say open world, but it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of, what is it kind of like a Zelda game in a way or something where you're kind of like going back to separate places, but it's contained. It's Bioshocky. Yeah. Bioshock. That's even a better example. Yeah. So I didn't know that it was going to be like that. And I don't quite want it to be like that. I was kind of hoping to play something more linear and more fun. And, and the problem I have with that is that when the game, when you're playing the game and fighting, it's so fun, but the game just doesn't let you play it enough. That's, that's my one major complaint. It's just, I have these really frenetic combat missions that are awesome. I'm using these cool guns and these special skills and just fucking obliterating these hiss enemies. They're called hiss H I S S. And then the game just stops and then something else happens and I have to go find what to do next. And the maps are a little obtuse. So it's kind of, there's like no waypoint system that really is effective. And yeah. so there's like these little problems where I just wish that I was playing a game that was like, here's the set piece, kill everything, move on to the next set piece, kill that's everything. That's interesting. You know, that's I, kind I, of the way I would have wanted to I play. like that it's open in the way that it is because it's it kind of plays into how trippy it is. Like, I found myself like, yeah, I love, you know, flying around and like doing the combat and like using that gun to transform. It's like the gun's alive or something. It's, it's weird. Uh, but whenever you're not fighting, you're always going through these like, the environments are mundane, yet weirdly mesmerizing. I don't know what the hell it is. Like, there's people, like, just floating in midair, and you don't know what the hell is going on, and, like, there, there are rooms that twist, and there's stuff... There's specific points <laughs> where you, you, you come up to this light switch that you have, to, you, you, you have to pull it down a certain number of times, you get transported into this weird motel, and you have no clue what the hell's going on. It's, it's just really kind of enamoring in how bizarre it is. And I always found myself kind of like entertained enough when I wasn't fighting by that kind of just by the obtuse like setting. It's weird. Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to be so weird. Yeah. And it's weird in a good way. You know what it reminds me of? And I think that this game is going to attract a similar fan base is it kind of reminds me of Metal Gear Solid a little bit in the sense of it's this conspiratorial governmental yeah, somewhat supernatural, weird story. It it's real. It's like Metal Gear meets like Twin Peaks or something. Yes, it's that's super cool. Very well put. Yeah, because it's got a little bit of camp and then this really serious angle as well. And yeah, so for people that don't know, it's about the Federal Office of Control. Obviously, not a real department that we know of. Maybe it's in the deep state. Yeah, and uh, it's about this weird office building in New York City that seems to be like I don't know possessed or kind of moving to between different planes in different states. And there's like government agency or government agents that work within this building that are working towards understanding these goals. And it's really, I'm excited to do the, the spoiler cast in a couple of weeks or next week, because there's a lot, this is, I was actually thinking about you, Chris, a lot when I was playing it, because I'm like, I don't know if Chris is going to like this. And the reason I thought that was because there is so much story in the game that is in the Intel and in the collectibles. Yeah. That if if you're a person who just wants to play, like especially Chris likes to just typically play his games. I definitely do. I don't know that controls for that kind of person typically because I don't know what you're going to get out of it if you're not really exploring the story. I've sat I probably sat half of the time I played the game in the index reading everything yeah. and like watching weird videos and i love the i love dr darling the guy the, yeah, the live yeah. action dude that they have they love their live action shit at remedy which i think is cool and so there is a weird thing where if you're not in a story and you're not into taking your time and being deliberate like chris was saying earlier and looking around i don't know that you're gonna get much out of the game the game is i'm, I'm doing that stuff and i still have no idea what the fuck is yeah. going on i think so it does a good job of like environmental storytelling I think there's like a lot of it's nice that you're kind of in this area that you, you kind of get even just when you pick up something and don't necessarily read it 
even the title kind of gives you some inkling of what's going on. I, I really don't know what's going on, but I'm, I kind of like that I have no idea. It's like weirdly kind of... It's like going to a haunted house or something where it's like, what the, f- I don't know what the fuck is, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's very, biz- it's, it's bizarre. It's cool though. I, I really like it. Yeah. I think it's fun. Like I, I, my one complaint is that I wish it was a little snappier in combat as a third person shooter. I wish it was more cover based. Mm-hmm. Like it's annoying that you have to press R3 to crouch. And then the second you shoot, you're out of crouching. Like you can't yeah. stay crouched and shooting. So there's a little weird things like that. But I think it's designed to keep you moving. I, I think that that's why they don't want 100%. you. 100%. They, yeah. they want you like flying around and, and dashing and doing crazy stuff. It's it's cool, man. I like it a lot. I wasn't expecting. I thought I might like it because I, I haven't really played a remedy game that I didn't think was pretty, pretty damn fantastic. But I don't know. This is like a whole different thing to me. I really like it. It's good. And I, I wonder if at the same time, I thought about remedy you know rumored to be joining sony's first party who knows if that's going to happen or not this kind of reinforced me feeling like this is not necessary at all you don't Mm. need this studio they just are making games that other people in your studio make like this is a game that could have been made by sucker punch is a game that could have been made by others so there's there's that kind of angle to it but nonetheless that's just kind of good i don't know if they could pull off the weird like the weirdness of it yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. It does like infamous, to, yeah. like Sucker Punch is pretty straightforward, mm. and even not. I, I think pretty much every Sony first party is relatively straightforward in the way that they tell a story. And and this remedy is just so strange. Like even Quantum Break, which uh, like I played the hell out of, was just such a weird game, you know. And uh, they're really good at just that weird vibe that I don't think I really see really ever anymore. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it, it reminds me so much of Metal Gear. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's it, it's not from a gameplay perspective, but just the weird the narrative. intrigue. Yeah, yeah, it's just very strange. I think I really think that this show or this uh, game rather is going to have a cult following. I think and, so, too. And there's going to be a lot of theory into what's going on in the game and stuff. So, yeah, pretty cool. Chris, I also see here that you were and I saw your tweet as well that you were jumping into the alpha for Modern Warfare 2v2. Mm-hmm. Seems like you really like it. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so they had a 2v2, uh, they had like this 2v2 alpha where it was just, you know, obviously two teams of two people. And from what I understood, the only mode that was available was this mode called Gunfight where each, everybody has the same weapon, same loadout, and you have one life each round. And it goes up to like five rounds or like until like, you know, one overcomes the other uh, at a match point. And it's weird because it, it's it very it feels like Call of Duty still like I don't know if it's really that different that it's going to change people who really hate Call of Duty, but or like convince them to like it. But it has this weird like tactical undertone, right? Where it feels a lot more strategic. Like you can mount your guns on like uh, on the sides of buildings to stabilize recoil and and there's like a, a lot of little things like that. I didn't really get a chance to fuck around with like the opening door mechanic because I don't think that was really in the alpha at all. But it feels like if Rainbow Six was faster, you know what I mean? It's not that tactical, but I think it's, it's, it borrows enough to, to make Call of Duty feel a little bit more intelligent. And I just, I just like anything that starts every player off with the same shit, because there's no like, oh, why do you have that stupid juggernaut perk or whatever the hell? Oh, why do you have a better gun? Why does he have more health than me for no reason? It's like, it's just straightforward. <laughs> it's, everybody's on the same playing field. You win if you play better. I and, like I, and I like based. that. It's very arena shootery. Cool. I'm glad to hear that because yeah. I know that you've been a little trepidatious about Call of Duty in the past. And yeah, I really don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Like I love Call of Duty the way it feels a lot more than you do. I don't play online. So this particular alpha doesn't concern me. And last year, I didn't even have an option outside of zombies to really play anything. 
But I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying or have enjoyed it. I guess it's yeah. it's over now, right? I think so. Yeah, it feels good. It looks great. The sound design is amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it now. For sure. That single player campaign, I'm sure, is probably going to be a lot of fun. That's great. I'm happy to hear that. Corey, I had a letter from you here that I was going to read to Chris about it, but we forgot about it. So I just wanted to let you know that uh, we hear you. And we already answered your question about COD. Uh, Chris, I'm also playing Tales of Hearts R on Vita. I just want to give a quick shout out to that. It's a port that came out in 2014 from a DS game called Tales of Hearts in the Tales series. It's fine. It's fun. You know, it, it's something I'm just playing in bed at night. Yeah, it's better than Persona 4. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Whoa, God, I'm going to get I'm going to get so much hate them's, mail for that. Some fighting words. But it's cool. It's a traditional Tales game action RPG with, you know, random battles. And uh, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It's very trite and very tropey. It's about yeah. this girl that loses all of her feelings, basically. And this <laughs> boy that has to go and find like her fear in her, you know, her love and whatever. Lord. Yeah. So it sounds very Japanese. It's incredibly Japanese. But if you're looking for an RPG, a JRPG on Vita to waste your time with, uh, Tales of Hearts are might do the trick. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Chris, let's get into the news. There's not an incredible amount to get through this week, but there's some things to discuss that are of importance. Yeah, I appreciate the brevity of it. Well, of what? Of the news. Oh, there's, not really? that mu- there's not that much news. Oh, you wanted it to be brief. Okay. It's nice because we have a lot of games coming out that yeah, we have we, to read. Oh, I know. You get you get real, uh, you get nervous, I think, a little bit about it. Like, it's something that... I have a problem reading. Well, so you, it's like... But I used to read them by myself, and then you asked to read every other one. That's why I'm like. Yeah, but I think them. it's funny if I, if okay. I do it. That's, well, that's why I do it. Well, because I just want people that are newer to the show not to think that we're, we're forcing you to do anything. You know? No, no, no. This is all my doing. All right. Chris, number one. On the heels of previously announced layoffs that primarily affected regional management, ailing American retailer GameStop has laid off more than 100 more people. Kotaku's summation of events notes that much of the damage was done at GameStop's Texas-based corporate headquarters, though publication Game Informer lost nearly half of its editorial staff in the cuts as well. GameStop noted in a press release in part, quote, as part of the previously announced GameStop reboot initiative to transform our business for the future and improve our financial performance, We can confirm a workforce reduction was implemented, impacting more than 120 corporate staff positions, representing approximately 14 percent of our total associate base at our company headquarters, as well as some other offices, end quote. 
GameStop stock, which has been in total freefall for about a year, actually bumped up some 20% on word of the layoffs, though the stock began declining again and is trading below $4 a share on the New York Stock Exchange. However, all might not be lost for GameStop. Around the time the layoffs were announced, financial publication Barron's reported that Michael Burry had bought in heavily on the stock, citing a, quote, balance sheet that is actually in very good shape. I believe they will have the cash flow to justify a much higher share price, end quote. Michael Burry, of course, is in the 2015 film The Big Short was his character being played by Christian Bale. So pretty interesting because there's a guy out there who made a lot of money predicting bad things are going to happen. That's buying uh, long. Well, I think what the, I think that's the proper terminology. Yeah, uh, I think GameStop. so. So there's that. Strange. Justin Markser wrote into us and said, hey, C-squared, this is a little more directed to Colin since I know he invests in companies. With GameStop laying off 120 individuals this week between their corporate staff and as well as Game Informer editors, how do you feel about Michael Burry of Big Short fame announcing that he is going to invest in the company? He stated that their balance sheet looks solid, making it worth the money, but do you and Chris feel that this may be an issue with GameStop as a whole, meaning having a corporation that clearly isn't too passionate about the product it is selling? Well, first of all, we want to give our very best to those that were affected by these layoffs. Yeah. Game Informer in particular was pretty gutted, I think. And yeah, it's like half their staff is gone. Yeah. Apparently, they're going to continue on. And I guess, you know, we'll hope that that happens in perpetuity. But I can't imagine that that's going to necessarily last that long. I was surprised that they are going to continue to print the magazine and do the website. You would think that they would have abandoned the magazine at this point. But, you know, so our, our very best to all those affected yeah. by this. As far as the financial stuff, I'm not going to claim to know nearly as much, obviously, about this as the other guy does. I talked about it in a couple of weeks ago that it's kind of tempting to buy GameStop really low. Yeah. But you risk losing literally everything if it gets delisted. So and that 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 we're at that margin. So it seems like a very smart person who's made a lot of money by predicting these things thinks that GameStop can live again. But I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm I'd be I'd be genuinely shocked if, it, if, any, if anything could save it. Me too. By the way, if you hear a yappy dog in the background, it's not Lola because Lola's not a yappy piece of no, shit. It's just some freak. Yeah, there's some do- like some people rent in my building out their apartments during the summer as Airbnb. So there's people coming in and out and there's been a yapping dog down the hallway for a couple of days. And that dog's going to get booted just directly off of the uh, balcony. Damn. Wow. It? That's that's insane. That sounds like uh, it doesn't even sound like an animal. I wonder if that's coming through. Probably not. It sounds like it sounds like a like a ghost really trying to communicate. Like it's a I don't like the sound. No, let's keep moving on. Number two, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered has a release date for PlayStation 4, and it's very soon. The game will be coming to console on September 3rd, mere months after it was initially announced. Final Fantasy VIII originally launched on PS1 in 1999 and is typically looked at as the odd man out in the Final Fantasy PS1 trilogy, which also includes 1997's Final Fantasy VII and 2000's Final Fantasy IX. And interestingly, it has never been a, it has never seen a true re-release since its 2000 PC port. This version of the game is basically a tweaked port with some extra options and upgrades and seems to be a bigger lift for Square Enix's lazily executed PS4 port of Final Fantasy VII, which came at the end of 2015, or Final Fantasy IX, which came to PS4 in 2017. So this is cool. This is coming to everything, but Final Fantasy VIII was missing for a really long time, and I didn't really quite understand why. Did you see the funny GIF or whatever that, or GIF for, <laughs> that they what? put out of? There's this really famous scene in Final Fantasy VIII of of one of the, of Squall being told by one of the characters, Renault or whatever, that he's the best dressed person there at this party that they're at. But it's like this polygonal nonsense, and yeah. so they fixed it. So. It actually looks good. So they actually did some uprising and some upgrading to the game, which is cool. Yeah, look at that. And it'll have some of the same stuff Final Fantasy VII Remake had in it as well on PS4, like the ability to go three times faster during battles, ma- maximize your limit breaks immediately and stuff. So basically a cheat mode if you wanted it. But you should play it normally like a normal person. Shut up, dog. God, what an annoying animal. I know. I would just boot that thing and just 
to hell. <laughs> I wonder if it's coming through. That I don't probably, think it is. I, I think is. it's like a weird high pitch and it's far enough away. Number three, out of nowhere, publisher Sega made an announcement revealing the Yakuza Remastered Collection, which three which three older Yakuza games, I'm sorry, with three older Yakuza games coming to PlayStation 4 for the first time. The three games in the collection are Yakuza 3, Yakuza 4, and Yakuza 5. And interestingly, the first of the three games is already available to download, with the fourth game coming on October 29th and the fifth game coming on February 11th of next year. As you can see, the games will be available to purchase and download separately, though the collection will take physical form as well once Yakuza 5 is launched. Sega claims that each game has been relocalized where necessary, with the English language scripts having undergone a period of being, quote, reviewed, revised, and even rewritten in some cases, end quote. Yakuza 3 came to PlayStation 3 in 2009 in Japan and in 2010 in the West. Yakuza 4 followed closely on its heels with a Japanese launch in 2010 and a Western launch in 2011, also on PS3. Yakuza 5 then came to Japan in 2012, but it wasn't until 2015 that it came westward. All three games were released outside of Japan with some cut content, but Sega has promised that it's all been put back, making the games complete. This is a pretty exciting thing for a lot of Yakuza fans, of which I am not one. Yeah, I've never played Yakuza. It's not even really like a thing that it's like, ah, oh, I don't want to play that. It's just like, <laughs> I've never found myself in a situation where it was easily accessible enough for me to try. Indeed. It's always kind of just been there. Mm-hmm. Yakuza 5 particularly, I remember that just taking forever. It, came, it took three years for that game to come out in the West. So I don't know that I can have that big of an audience, but I was also reading that the recent game Judgment, which had that guy removed from it, which yeah. was really funny. It's doing better than expecting it. Yeah. Expected, I think. And they were talking about maybe giving it a sequel. So there's that. Well, 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 well. Number four, it appears that Insomniac's smash hit PS4 exclusive Spider-Man, which recently surpassed a staggering 13 million units sold, is officially getting a Game of the Year edition. Word comes by way of website Push Square, which reports on a listing from Amazon UK, which leaks everything. Interestingly, the Amazon UK listing seems to indicate an imminent launch of September 4th, which seems unlikely, but it remains to be seen when this new version of the game will come out. It'll likely be the standard version of the game with all DLC built in across the so-called City That Never Sleeps DLC trilogy. Pricing is also unclear. The listing has since been taken down as well, indicating the obvious that Sony didn't yet intend on revealing this re-release from its newly acquired studio, Insomniac. So if you guys missed out on Spider-Man, it doesn't sound like many of you have with over 13 million sold. But if any of you missed out, this is a good time to probably get in, get the DLC. I haven't played the DLC yet, and I've been meaning to do that. So Yeah, it was was all right. Black Widow, is that the character that's in it? Is that a character, Black Widow? Uh, No, Black Cat. Black Cat. Yeah. Is there a Widow character? I mean, probably. Probably a civilian. Okay. Yeah, there's just this woman that lost her husband. <laughs> yeah, boo-hoo, I am a widow. Actually, her, uh, her what's her name? Though. Aunt May's a widow, right? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Because yeah. <laughs> Uncle Ben got shot to hell. Uncle Ben's dead. Number five. The Persona franchise has hit a major series milestone, surpassing 10 million units sold. According to PersonaCentral.com, Atlas made the announcement during the Persona 5 Royal Celebration event. Though Persona only hit Western Mainstream with the launch of Personas 4 and 5 on PS2 slash Vita and PS4 respectively, the franchise has been running since 1996. The first game was called Revelations Persona and came to Japanese and Western PS1s alike that year. Persona 2 followed on PS1 in 2000, also in all territories, while Persona 3 came to PS2 in Japan in 2006 and in the West in 2007, followed by the beloved Persona 4 on PS2 in 2008 and 2009. The last Persona game, Persona 5, launched on PS3 and PS4 in Japan in 2016 and on PS4 in the West. You can play Persona Classic on your PS Classic also. Indeed. It is there. 10 million units sold. Not too bad, but it really does put into context, right, how big some games are compared to others. Spider-Man sold, outsold the entire Persona series by 3 million units in one year. It's insane. So That's the power of Marvel also. Yeah, definitely. And... 
I remember being at IGN and making a really bad proclamation amongst many bad proclamations that I made over the years that Persona 5 would outsell Final Fantasy 15, which I think Final Fantasy 15 outsold all of Persona 5 or all Persona games as well. So that was probably brand one of the fucking worst predictions I'd ever brand made. recognition, man. It goes a long way. Indeed. It's just that with Final Fantasy 15, when it came out in 2016, I want to say fall 2016, if I remember correctly, I just thought everyone would be over it. You know, I'd be like, all right, well, but it just turned out that everyone was really still excited about people it. still aren't over Call of Duty. So that's true. <laughs> but they actually get a game out every year. Well, yeah, they didn't remember. But Final you Fan- imagine that that would make it worse. Final Fantasy 15 was originally Final Fantasy versus 13. The best. Number six. As we discussed earlier this year on Sacred Symbols, Sony has created an arm of PlayStation called PlayStation Productions that has been charged with bringing PlayStation's iconic IP to the big screen. The first of these films was to be the long-in-development Uncharted movie, but now that seems to be in peril, as the movie has lost yet another director. Depending on how you count, this is now the fifth director to leave the project. Website Deadline reports the news, noting that Dan Trachtenberg, who was most recently slated to direct the film, has walked away. Trachtenberg is perhaps best known for directing 2016's 10 Cloverfield Lane. If you want to ha- if you want the movie to happen, however, you'll be grateful to learn that Tom Holland, most famous for his role as Spider-Man and Spider-Man Homecoming, as well as the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame films, is still slated as of now to play Nathan Drake. That's a weird casting choice, but I agree. Also strange that what, what is it with video game movies and losing directors specifically? I don't know. It's such a weird thing that consistently happens. I just don't know why they're insisting on doing this at all. It just is a weird. It's a weird one to me. I'm just curious as to why it's always video games that have such a. It's not even necessarily that that every video game movie is bad, right? Which they are. But why is it so specifically difficult to just keep somebody on a project? Yeah. Four video game adaptations. Weird. Yeah, I don't understand the whole back and forth behind the scenes of how people are signed on to things and how people are attached to things. You hear all these words, right? These that seem to be meaningless buzzwords because it doesn't seem like it actually matters. Yeah. It reminds me of like NFL contracts where like actually the team can probably just cut you at any time if they really want. You really don't have a two way contract. So, yeah, we'll see how that all goes. I mean, PlayStation Productions is a thing and this was supposed to be their big project. But I don't know, man. I, I just don't understand why they would do this at all. I feel like, again, this is a way to continue to justify video games existence by making them in the films and making them real. And yeah. I think that that's so unnecessary and so lame. And I think actually I know for a fact that a lot of big names and games feel that way, including names in Sony's first party. So, yeah, we'll see. Number seven, publisher Electronic Arts and EA owned developer Dice have quietly revealed some sad news for Battlefield 5 fans. The long-awaited, promised, and promising 5v5 competitive mode has has been completely scrapped and will no longer be coming to the game. Buried in a Battlefield 5 blog on EA.com that otherwise goes into new additions, maps, and more, the game's senior producer, Ryan MacArthur, stated in part, quote, The added focus on improving the quality of the experience and adding more of the content you want has led us to step back from our original plans to offer a competitive 5v5 mode. Not creating this mode was a tough decision, but vital for us to more quickly reach our bug crushing and content goals. However, we will still pursue building a competitive gaming experience in Battlefield, end quote. Battlefield 5 launched on PS4 and elsewhere back in November of 2018, but has been reported as failing to meet EA's lofty goals for sales or expectations, even though the game has sold around 10 million units. So that's been quietly canceled. If you read the blog post, it's very conspicuous because it's all like, look at the new maps and look at this. And then, oh. By the way. (laughs) Yeah, by the way. I mean, I guess I get it. Yeah. Number eight, developer NetherRealm has revealed its new slate of characters coming to Mortal Kombat 11. Though if you've been following months worth of worths of leaks or this podcast, you'll already know all of these names. 
The four characters that haven't yet been released that are still coming are the T-800 Terminator, Sindel from Mortal Kombat 3 and elsewhere, Joker from Batman and Spawn, which is a which is a cool one. It's not Batman and Spawn, Batman, comma, and Spawn. All of these all are part of the so-called combat pack, which includes two other already launched characters, Mortal Kombat alum Shane Sung and Nightwolf, who, like Sindel, also appeared first in Mortal Kombat 3. The T-800 launches on October 8th and Sindel launches on November 26th. For Joker and Spawn, you'll need to go into 2020 as they'll come to the game on January 28th and March 17th, respectively. Mortal Kombat 11 came to PS4 and elsewhere back in April of 2019 and has been a smash hit commercially. I think it actually might be the best-selling game of the year so far in the United States. Really? Yeah. That's wild. I wouldn't have pegged that. Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea. I never liked Mortal Kombat. I was never into it either, really. Since the very beginning, I, w- I really wasn't that into it. Yeah, just wasn't no bloody roar, you know? No, definitely wasn't no bloody roar. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. <laughs> Number nine is a wrap-up, Chris. The PlayStation blog reports that strategy RPG Mistover is slated for launch on PlayStation 4 on October 10th, that the previously announced cartoonish dungeon crawler Ready Set Heroes, which looks really cool, is due out on PS4 on October 1st, and that bizarre musical game Mutazion 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 is coming to PS4 at some point in the yet-determined future. Website Silicon Era reports that Japanese music game Demo Reborn will be coming to PS4 on November 21st, and that action RPG Eternal Blade 2 will be coming to PlayStation 4 on October 11th. That's been a long time in coming, as far as I know. Website Gamatsu reports 2D puzzler Pig Eat Ball is coming to PS4 on October 18th, that old-school brawler River City Melee Mock is coming to PS4 and elsewhere on October 10th, that CRPG Paranoia Happiness is mandatory, is coming to PS4 at an undetermined date, that Walking Simulator, The Bradwell Conspiracy, comes to PS4 at some point this fall. That action RPG Yaga is coming to PS4 at some point this fall. That adventure game Hitchhiker is coming to PS4 at an undetermined point in the future. That card battling game Cardpocalypse is coming to PS4 at an undetermined point in the future. And that strategy game Port Royale 4 is coming to PS4 in 2020. And finally, website Push Square reports that horror game Remothered Broken Porcelain is coming to PS4 in 2020, and that RPG Ashen, previously locked to Xbox One and PC, is coming to PS4 this December. What's funny, Chris? <laughs> I'm reading ahead at, at the, some of the games oh. that are coming out, and I notice that like half of the ones that I read are <laughs> just depressing. Yeah, they're n- you're going to get some good ones again. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's time to read our new game releases, Chris, but before we do, Jace Tamulovic wrote into us on Patreon. He says, hey, guys. I've been trying to save money lately, which has led me into tackling my backlog. To do this, I made a spreadsheet of all the games I think I could realistically finish and the console I own them on. Here's the thing. Now that it's in writing, I'm kind of hooked on actually finishing games and seeing those boxes get checked. Furthermore, this has sparked my interest in trophy hunting. Just excited to share and maybe encourage others out there to put those gaming goals in writing. What do you think of that, Chris? It sounds like something a serial killer would write, honestly, but... You know, I mean, hey, whatever you, whatever meaning you can find out of checking little boxes. You should see my you know? G.I. Joe spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about fucking serial killers. <laughs> yeah, I guess everybody has something like that. Yeah, definitely. I got really proud the other day because I, I got a filing cabinet and I f- organized oh. it. And it's like everything's like filed. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is amazing. Pretty cool. Just throw my receipts in there and not have to think about it until, until I do. Until you have to think about it at a later date. Yeah, it's good. Chris, as tradition dictates, we go back and forth on our new game releases. You will begin. All righty. <laughs> I always start. I, I'm, I'm not even laughing at anything. I just know. <laughs> I just know what awaits us. Agent A, a puzzle in disguise, comes to PS4. You play as Agent A in this stylish secret agent world full of retro futuristic contraptions, hidden gizmos, gadgets, and clever logic-based puzzles. But do be warned, Ruby LaRouge, I assume? Yeah, I guess so. Ruby LaRouge is no spy to be taken lightly. Explore a labyrinth of perplexing puzzles in this quirky game of cat and mouse that'll have you wondering whether you are the cat 
ellipsis or the mouse whoa that sounds uh sounds, sounds like, like something yeah but sounds, like exactly. sounds like something in one of my play control comes to ps4 we just talked about it after a secretive agency in new york is invaded by an otherworldly threat you become the new director struggling to regain control from developer Remedy Entertainment, the supernatural third-person action adventure will challenge you to remaster the combination of supernatural abilities, modifiable loadouts, and reactive environments while fighting through a deep and unpredictable world. That is, uh, again, Control, first PlayStation game from Remedy in, I think, 15 years. That's pretty wild. Uh, Crystar comes to PS4. Crystar is an action RPG developed by Furyu, uh, Furyu? Furyu Corporation, yeah, I assume. sure. Yeah. Fury you, yeah. Fury you, yeah. Too many vowels. It's a lot. Ray fights her way through the afterworld of Purgatory to rescue Mirai, the little sister that she killed. Whoa. Whoa. Crystar's unique game mechanics allow the player to harness the power of grief. <laughs> Use Ray's tears to craft weapons and armor, <laughs> as well as summon a guardian to protect her in battle. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Crystar. <laughs> yeah. It's very clever. literal. At first, I thought it was a Crytek game. Because they always put, you know, cry yeah, and everything. They're gone now, right? I don't know. I think I think they're gone. If not, they're 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 floating around in Germany somewhere. Decay of Logos comes to PS4. Embark on a journey of revenge and betrayal set in motion by the destruction of our young adventurers. Oop, I got a text. Village at the our young adventurers' villages at the hands of Crimson Knights. Find solace in your trusty elk companion as you battle the unforgiving foes that roam this once peaceful realm. Venture into ancient ruins and dungeons in search of its reward in a quest to find the truth behind the attack of Ada's home. I'd like an elk companion. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want an elk companion? By the way, just real quick, IGN reviewed this game and then had to take it back because the developer claimed that they sent out builds that were two months old. And so the reviews were based on the wrong version of the game. If they came at me and I was th and I was there, I'd be like, well, that's too fucking bad. Yeah. Like, you what? Know? shouldn't you be? Wouldn't you? If you care so much about this, why'd you send out the wrong build in the first time, in the first place? Because now if someone at IGN has to like, if I were, if I review that game, I'd be like, you have to, if I were a freelancer reviewing that, I'd be like, well, you're going to pay me again because I'm not playing the fucking game again. Yeah. Yeah. Nonsensical. Headspun comes to PS4. After waking from a five-week coma, Whoa. Theo finds his life in disrepair. With no memory of the accident, it's up to Ted and Teddy, the conscious and subconscious voices in his head, to work out what happened and put his life back on track. Headspun is a game about recovery, discovery, and the, out, uh, and the ongoing battle between logic and emotion. Mm, a lot of uh, heady stuff going on here, huh? Yeah. Pardon the pun. Hero Express comes to PS4. Crazy monsters, mad tracks, incredible vehicles. This is the world of Hero Express, where the hero isn't the one to save the day. Hero Express is a 2D physics-based driving game. But unlike other driving games, this isn't a race to get to the end of the track first, but to get there alive. A challenge of skill and patience. Okay. So you're the, it's called Hero Express, but the hero you're not the hero, and the hero isn't the one to save the day. And unlike other driving games, it's not a race. So it's not very express. So it is not express. <laughs> It seems like it should have been called Every Man Take Your Time. <laughs> I can see why they didn't go with that title in fairness. Every Man Colon Take Your Time. Hookbots comes to PS4. Challenge your human friends in this multiplayer robot party game with 52 ways to customize your bots in 14 game modes. From knights and dinosaurs to bounty hunters and space warriors. Choose, customize, and crush tons of different bots. Whoa. Human Anatomy VR comes to PSVR. Can you rebuild the human body? Do you know where is the humerus located? That's what it says. Do you know where is it's the, in the arm, isn't it? Do you know where the humerus is located? I think would have been the proper English there. Yeah. Get to know. But again, no one at PlayStation blog cares. 
<laughs> about literally anything that goes on its site. Get to know the whole human body in an enjoyable way thanks to the Human Anatomy VR. Human Anatomy VR is an educational application in virtual reality. The application depicts simplified anatomy models suitable for high school students. Human Anatomy VR offers unique virtual and educational experience. So broken English aside, this is kind of the stuff that I think VR could do and I think is actually kind of cool outside of games. See, everyone says like games are the proof and maybe that's true, but I actually think this kind of stuff is the proof as well. If you can yeah. study, if this is like a useful tool for a student, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, who's to say it's not a game, right? Right. Yeah. It's got trophies. <laughs> if it's got trophies, it's a game. Invisigun Reloaded comes to PS4, the ultimate stealth battle adventure where everyone's invisible. Risk versus reward guides your journey through the full-length single-player campaign and local online, local and online multiplayer. Vigilance is key, as environmental tells such as footprints and other disturbances will point out careless cadets. A massive amount of lovingly made environments, maps, modes, and abilities, all obsessively balanced, obsessively balanced, yeah. combined for high replayability and a deep path to mastery. That's good, being obsessively balanced. Yeah. Like my breakfasts are obsessively balanced. Remember when they used to say that it was part of a balanced breakfast and it was like <laughs> two pieces of toast and a bowl of cereal and like five eggs yeah. and pancakes? Yeah, that sounds real yeah, balanced. Real, real balanced. Fox News, fair and obsessively balanced. <laughs> Nights and Bikes comes to PS4. Nights and Bikes is a hand-painted action adventure for one or two players set on a British island in the 1980s. It's a coming-of-age story starring Nessa and Demelza. All right. Exploring the coast of Penfersey on their trusty bikes, looking for a legendary lost treasure and a Goonies inspired tale of excitement, danger, fun and friendship. Again, this is made by some guys that used to work at Media Molecule. I think particularly guys that worked on Tearaway, if I remember correctly. Ooh. Legend of the Skyfish comes to PS4. Legend of the Skyfish is a beautiful level based adventure puzzler with a unique weapon and tool. A fishing pole. Follow the intrepid little Red Hook on her journey with the Moon Whale to defeat the monstrous skyfish. Gotta be Japanese. Yeah. Gotta be. MXGP 2019, the official motocross video game, comes to PS4. The official motocross championship video game is back with lots of new features in the series. For the first time in the series, you'll be able to challenge MXGP and MX2 riders, bikes, and teams in all official 2019 races around the world. Join the MX2 and MXGP championships financed by a sponsor or get hired by an official team. Wow. Newt one comes to PS4. Newt one <laughs> rewards players for how much life they bring to the game world, not how much life is taken from it. Experience your progress through color Deep. and music swelling in the game world as you play as Newt, a new a new tone in the musical land of groovy hue, which has fallen to the great slumber. Awaken this sleeping silent world to, to new heights of color and music in this colorful and relaxing 3D platforming journey of cheer, music, and friendship. All right. That was, that was a, you know, a nice one compared was, to all the depressing ones I had to read. Sure. Pacific Wings comes to PS4. Pacific Wings is a vertical scrolling shoot 'em up with retro style graphics where you fly an American P-38 airplane during the Battle of Midway. That's uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> Strength of the Sword Ultimate comes to PS4, arcade-style action that combines the tactical skill-based combat of a fighter with the progression, overwhelming odds, and awesome boss battles of an old-school brawler. Cool. The Bard's Tale 4 Director's Cut comes to PS4, hidden in the shadows and evil has waited patiently until now. Who will face the darkness if not you? A heroic adventure featuring 50-plus hours of gameplay, 350 speaking parts, a legacy mode for returning fans, and over 100 pieces of incredible music. 
The Dark Pictures Man of Medan uh, comes to PS4. The Dark Pictures Anthology is a series of standalone cinematic horror games. Each game features a brand new story, setting, and characters with a fully branching narrative. In Man of Medan, five friends set sail on a holiday driving trip. As the day unfolds and a storm rolls in, their trip soon changes into something much more sinister. Who will live? Who will die? It's all down to you. It's all up to you. I guess both of those are correct. Yeah, That's down or up. It's something. It's to you. Is yeah. what they're saying. It's to you. <laughs> uh, this, of course, is the new game from Supermassive. Yeah. Who are the guys that made Until Dawn? This is being published by Bandai Namco. And I'm really looking forward to this. I, I reached out actually this weekend, so we should get coached for this soon, although it'll be out by the time we get it. I'm really excited to play it. Yeah, for sure. The Lord of the Rings Adventure card game. That's uh, another card game for you, Chris. Comes to PS4. Build a deck of iconic heroes and challenge the forces of Sauron in this thrilling tactical card game. Go forth and explore famous locations, complete story-driven quests, and forge your own legend of Middle-earth. But beware of the eye of Sauron. Should you draw his attention, all will be lost. Vambrace Cold Soul comes to PS4. Vambrace Cold Soul is a roguelike fantasy adventure set amidst a frozen landscape. Plan your expeditions underground, then journey to the cursed city surface with your team of heroes. Wield unique powers, avoid dangerous traps, brave strange encounters, and survive deadly combat. Waltz of the Wizard Extended Edition comes to PSVR. Waltz of the Wizard is a virtual reality experience that lets you feel what it is like to have magical powers. The extended edition is a remaster of the original that adds new spells, interactions, and secrets, along with performance optimizations and new options that help keep the experience an excellent showcase for VR. Whipsy and the Lost Atlas comes to PS4. In Whipsy and the Lost Atlas, you play as Alex, a young boy whose curiosity has landed him in a world of trouble. After finding himself lost in a strange world and being transformed into a magical creature named Whipsy, that is horrifying... (laughs) <laughs> he must solve the mystery of the lost atlas and return to his original form and go back home. Imagine being transformed into something and knowing that you have a different name. Yeah, and immediately you're no it's known. Yeah. Some might call that Eldritch. Yeah, it's deeply mortifying if anything. Finally, Chris, finally. Whew. Wreckfest comes to PS4. Break the rules and take full contact racing to the limit with Wreckfest. Expect epic crashes, neck-to-neck fights over the finish line, and brand new ways for metal to bend. These are a once-in-a-life these are the once-in-a-lifetime moments that can only be achieved in Wreckfest. With its true-to-life physics simulation created by legendary developer Bugbear, who also bought you Flat Out 1 and 2, this is a THQ Nordic game, if Ooh. anyone's curious. And I think Bugbear is actually one of their own developers now. So those are all the games. Chris, anything in here that we should point out? I guess Control. Control and Dark Pictures, obviously. Yes, obviously. yes, 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 yes. I think that's all we can really stand by as well. Yeah. I don't know anything else about any of these other games. Yeah, me neither. For the time being. Chris, as tradition dictates, we will end... Our podcast with eight questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience. Remember, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Stand for early ad-free access to our show, access to Sacred Symbols Plus, and the ability to submit your inquiries, just like Jorge Palomino did. He said, hello there from sunny and rainy all the time, Miami. It's not only sunny and rainy all the time, it's soon going to be under the ocean, Jorge, so uh, keep moving. With news that Sony squired Insomniac and now more recent news that Disney will no longer have a hand in Spider-Man movies. Do you think this might affect the games in any way? I'd like to think this might give Sony more say in what can or can't be in a game without affecting what's happening in the movie universe, like if an ally or villain is allowed to appear in a game or not. I also hope this maybe opens the door into the Spider-Verse game, hopefully with the same art style. That would be pretty sweet. Keep hunting them, Joe figures, and much love. Thank you, Jorge. Yeah. This has nothing to do with the movies. No. These are completely separate entities. You know, uh, the games are a completely separate universe from the movies. I mean, the, the game came out when... Spider-Man was in the MCU and it was a, obviously a completely different Spider-Man with a completely different 
take on it and a completely different everything these are separate issues entirely they don't really conflict because i think sony as far as i know sony pictures has the film rights to spider-man the game rights are kind of all over the place that's why spider-man is in uh uh what is it ultimate alliance which is a nintendo publisher. which is a nintendo game it's like he's he's relatively free to use i think as long as marvel approves it yeah some people are really upset about this spider-man so slash sony slash marvel mcu thing yeah it'll be solved i don't, I don't think anyone is really thinking that this is just going to go on like this there's, there's just no way what that they're going to keep these the, the spider-man out of the mcu going forward it's just a money issue and what's really interesting about it is that marvel wants to pay up front to start making these movies with sony and sony's basically saying like no we'll pay for the movie ourselves so that we can make the profit that's the entire problem yeah and uh, I was reading about that, and I feel like a lot of people are just blaming one company or the other. But I'm at, listen, we're really hard on Sony on this podcast all the time, but I'm kind of in Sony's corner on this. Why would you ever give Spider-Man up for for less than what it's worth? You know, yeah, if you, for sure. if you want Spider-Man in the MCU, then we're going to work this out in a way that's also financially beneficial to us. Otherwise, and I'm talking we as in Sony, we'll then just make another Spider-Verse movie. We'll just make another Spider-Man movie and reboot yeah. it and all that kind of stuff. I'm 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 of two minds. I think from just like a basic uh, human level, Spider-Man should be with Marvel where he belongs because it feels weird that he's separated from the biggest property that ever existed, especially because Spider-Man is so he is Mar like he was literally the Marvel logo for like the longest time. So on that level, it's like, give Spider-Man back, please, for the love of God. You, they also just have done such a bad job with him for so long. Spider-Verse was like the exception to the rule. But at the same time, it's like, as, as a money decision, I don't want Disney to own everything. So that's another thing that's kind of like conflicting. Yeah. It's, they're, they're doing ridiculous shit. Yeah, that, it's that Disney Plus thing is insane. Like it, Netflix is probably going to die soon. Yeah. I was looking at the Disney Plus offering and I'm like, well, I think I'll get that. Yeah. It has Hulu in it. What? Yeah, which that's is, insane. Wait, it does. I don't think I saw it that. It has Hulu. Oh, then I, that's <laughs> isn't great. that ridiculous? Yeah, then well, I have Hulu, so there's, it's basically six of one, half dozen of the other at this point. Yeah, because there's some good, there's going to be some good stuff on there. I don't care about any of the nerdy shit that you guys like, but <laughs> <laughs> but there's going to be some cool stuff in there, and I don't know. I think what would be an interesting amelioration to this is to go to Sony, Marvel, and Disney. Go to Sony and say, like, listen, we'll give you a flat rate to sign Spider-Man back over to us and any movie that Spider-Man appears in will just give you a small percentage of the profit, right? So like literally just a billion dollar right down for yeah. Marvel. If I were Marvel, I would put as much money down to get Spider-Man just straight up as a property because like, surely they'll be able to cash out on it, Sony. People have to write in and remind me, but isn't it that as long as Sony keeps making Spider-Man films that the rights are never relinquished back to Marvel? Because I think right. that, that was the case with fantastic four and a few others as well that eventually people were like fuck it and that fantastic four reverted back to marvel because well, they didn't make a new movie well fantastic four reverted back to marvel because marvel bought fox <laughs> oh that's right well that but yes right that happened yeah, yeah. more recently but I but, but yeah the, the, the idea is generally like if if you don't do anything with the property in five years then you're obviously you're just hoarding a property and not actually have any intention to do anything and you're i think the goal is or the idea is that like if you're just hoarding a property you're just waiting for somebody to offer you money for it so you're kind of encouraged to do something with it even if it sucks <laughs> I don't know. that's why those that's why those amazing movies came out yeah. you know it's because like oh it's 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 about time literally actually exactly five years <laughs> since spider-man 3 came out they put out the the reboot i i wonder i don't know man i i'd be interested i want people to write into us about this but i'm kind of sympathetic to sony in this situation yeah. it's like well like yeah we might not they might not have done this the right thing but 
they have legal right to this character. So people, yeah, yeah. like, I understand your point of being like, just do the right thing. But if right. I were a Sony no, shareholder, sure. I'd be like, fuck that. No, like, exactly. Where's our money? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man should, should be with Marvel. But like, if you're like, why the hell? If you own Spider-Man, why the hell would you give that up? And, and that Sony, is, he's the most, arguably the most important superhero that exists. And Sony Pictures is not in great shape. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of uh, sympathetic to that, too. It's like, well, <laughs> this is arguably like our most important property. Yeah. So I think that it's it's there's a lot to talk about here. Now, I know that a lot of people, Chris, are concerned about Insomniac and Spider-Man 2. Listen, Spider-Man 2 is happening. The yeah. game is going to happen. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be, be completely unaffected by this. This has Definitely. nothing to do with any of that. It's a PlayStation exclusive. You don't have to worry about any of that. It's going to happen. But the bigger thing that I'm interested in is the long-term relationship, I guess, between Marvel and Sony now, if this is going to affect them. And, and my assumption is no, everyone just wants money. So I think once that's solved and everyone's satisfied that they got their money, then I think everyone moves on peacefully. I, yeah. I think that Spider-Man will be in the MCU again. I think it's going to happen soon. The game is not going to be, uh, is not going to be affected at all. Remember, Marvel would have to bite the hand that feeds it. Spider-Man sold 13 million copies why would they ever they they I get I, I don't know what the, the language is, but I guess they could be like, fuck it. We'll go to a 343 and make a Spider-Man game on Xbox now. It's like, why would you do that? <laughs> no, yeah, you wouldn't. So, no, that, I wouldn't worry about it. Do not fear, my friends. Do not fear. Yazid Al-Raji wrote in, said, hey, CNC, hope this week has been treating you both well. The week is very new so far. Mm -hmm. With today's technology, do you think it's possible to build a PS4 unit in a portable form factor? It's been almost six years since the PS4 was released and technology has gone a long way. Releasing a portable device that can play PS4 games would be an excellent way for Sony to compete with Nintendo without putting too much work into it as there's already an enormous library of PS4 games. The only problem might be people who have physical games, but Sony can launch a digitizing service as well, charging something like $5 a game to digitize. I know I'd utilize the service as I've saved more than $5 a game by buying physical over digital. I know it sounds difficult, but one can only dream. It would be a great comeback for Sony after their treatment of Vita, and it can be play Vita games too, because why not? Well, I don't know if that's going to be possible. I'm, I'm, that's me. Feel free to shorten my post to fit it into your show. Fuck that. I read the whole thing. <laughs> so, Chris, you know a lot more about tech than I do. It seems to me that it would be doable to get a PS4 into a smaller form factor, yeah. but I don't know that it would be small enough to be a handheld device. And I think it would have massive heat management issues and all sorts of other stuff. But again, I talk as a layman. Yeah. I'm curious you could, what you You could think. definitely make a base PS4 into a portable form factor, but the issue is... Like, there's a lot of things that we can do right now, right? The issue is, how expensive would that be? You know, we could absolutely probably make a PS4 Pro into a compact machine, but the issue would, is that it would probably be upward, like, maybe uh, $1,500. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The price <laughs> you know? is, a, is a problem. The price of the, just the, the R&D and, like, the, the material that would have to go into something that state-of-the-art, you know? A base PS4 might be a little bit more manageable, but, like, I, I, I don't... If the question... That if the root of this question is, are we going to see another handheld? No, that's done. I'm really confident in that. Yeah, I, I am as well. I, I think that Sony was playing around with the idea. I think they're always playing around with the idea of doing something in that space. And I wouldn't be surprised to learn at some point that they were, you know, R&Ding another Vita or a third handheld. We couldn't call it another Vita, whatever it would have been called. But yeah, I agree with you, Chris. There's something fascinating about PlayStation 4 being so old now came out in 2013, but was finalized in, its innards were finalized in 2012. So this is an old machine. So certainly the components can be smaller. Certainly the components can be gotten cheaper. But yeah, minimize. That's why handhelds are not powerful. Like the Vita was not even as powerful really as PS3. I mean, think of the Switch. 
and the Switch is can't run anything. I mean, the Switch, the Switch is running CD Projekt games and, and ID games at sub thirty frames a second at like seven twenty p resolution. I mean, this is not yeah not an easy thing to do. So could Sony do it? Yeah, but I think Chris is right. The prohibit their prohibitive thing is price. Imagine if they had a PS4 portable for the niche market at even six, seven, eight hundred dollars. I mean, that's it's not worth it at that point because it's only going to sell yeah a very finite amount of units. Yeah, and that would be tremendous loss. So on, on, you know, I'd be interested to see how small they can get this thing and still plug it into a TV, though, because so, I was really fascinated by how small PS3 got PS3 got really small. PS3 got way smaller than the PS4 did from PS4 to PS4 Slim. The PS, the third PS3, the the, the George one with the grill. grill. Yeah, <sighs> that thing is that thing might be like a fifth of the size of the original PS3 and maybe even like less than that, like a seventh or an eighth of the weight. So it's that happened in seven years it's pretty amazing so i wonder if we're going to get another ps4 model but i don't know that they can get it much smaller than that as mm -hmm. well so we'll see what happens yeah we'll see I'm the ps2 i remember being like just it was like shockingly thin yeah they got it down to that actually is a great example chris you're right that got even thinner than the ps3 slim the ps3 third model did yeah. to the that original. thing is probably thinner or about as thin as the switches shit now that i'm thinking about it ps1 like PSONE, was also really small yeah so they they've done it yeah the ps1 was kind of cool because you can like we've talked in the past you can attach a tv to it see if they did you something did that with like the ps2 that, also they they sold one of those yeah yeah oh, i remember I that. they did it for the ps2 and xbox and that was the last generation to do it because i think after that it got pretty pretty dumb there are third parties that i think do that stuff for ps4 and stuff but you need the small unit first because it would be cool to have your ps4 on a plane if it was literally the size of let's say the ps classic that they released yeah the doorstop that i have out in my living room <laughs> Good that Lord. fucking thing. What a I was looking at, I threw out the box because I had the box and I'm like, I don't need this anymore. So I threw it out. But I was looking at the back of the box and I'm like, what, what is this? Isn't the, the back of that box is fast. I still have that box. And it's like, wow, what an assortment. Man, oh man. Battle Arena Toshin Den. Okay. Jordan DeBow wrote into us. He said, hey, creepy Colin and cryptic Chris. Well, okay. All right. On SS Plus, that's Sacred Symbols Plus, I remember someone saying that the survival horror fan has been underserviced. I couldn't agree more. The Evil Within is assumed dead and Dead Space is a ghost. Resident Evil is all we really have on the PS front, and while they're great, variety is the spice of life. I could personally kill the head of Konami for Silent Hill's debacle and dig up the corpse and kill them again for not riding RE2's coattails with a Silent Hill remaster in the same vein. Well, I'll, I was going to say something, but I'll get to that in a minute. The games make money and horror fans are some of the most loyal and rabid. So my question to you is why the drought? Where's the horror love? It seems like VR and horror are a match made in heaven uh, as seen in Resident Evil 7. Yeah. I didn't play Resident Evil 7 in VR. But even that is a slim pickings at best. I would love a big budget AAA narrative driven game that was psychologically disturbing and terrifying with loads of over the top gory violence. Is that too much to ask? We've had a lot of horror games, right? I mean, we've you had... played. Uh, surely you've played Kingdom Hearts. That is and that's terrifying. That's a terrifying experience. <laughs> there are some, right? Soma came out, I think, last year, two years ago that people really liked. Yeah. But there I is a there is a drought. Red Barrels say. makes their games too out. What is it? Outlast? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I agree with you in the sense that there are no, there is a dearth of games, but I think part of it, Chris, is that they're hard to make. I, I really think that if you look at what makes survival horror good, what makes games creepy, even if you're going to Bioshock or the original fear or something like that, these games are atmospheric in a way that I don't think everyone can achieve. So if you're going to make a third person shooter horror and then the horror doesn't click, then you have a shitty third person shooter. So it's a risk. Yeah. You have a comedy is what you have. Yeah. Basically. Bad horror games are comedies. 
is what they are, and you don't want you don't want that. You thin don't line, a, thin line, very thin line. But uh, yeah, I, I do miss when we had like a more. I feel like we we used to have a a, a, a far more unique uh, breadth of horror games. Like Fear is a pretty great example. I like like, I, like the fact that there's a first person shooter horror game that is every bit action oriented as it is horror oriented is, is genuinely kind of amazing. I agree. That's a great game. I liked Fear Three. I liked Fear Two too, but I liked Fear Three, which I thought was like pretty underrated. I like all those games. Yeah, they were fun. You know. So, the Fear Two or was it Fear Two or Fear Three that had the gun with like the, that would like nail people to the to the, to the oh, wall? Oh yeah, I don't. I think that's two. That was awesome. Yeah, I wrote the strategy guide for two and I reviewed three. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed those games, but I think maybe less is more as well, Chris. Like maybe the reason that Resident Evil Two resonated so much was because was, of how yeah. rare these kinds of games are. I wonder if we were getting a dead space or something like that every few months, if resident evil two would have been as good, it would have been the same game, but I think that that it's relativistic, you know, like it, it's, yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I guess, I guess what, what, how many, like is the, is the amount of horror games that are out now, particularly, particularly more or, uh, like are there less horror games coming out in the last two years than there were at any two year point previously? Like, I feel like dead space was like the only, Hard game that I can remember from that time that was great anyway. Yeah, technically, you know? I bet you, Chris, technically there are more coming out than ever because of indie games and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And we're just not seeing them. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, when Dead Space came out, you know, a few years after PS3 and Xbox 360 launched, you're right. It wasn't like we were getting a lot of great horror games. And that's why Dead Space stood out, because it stood out against right. Resident Evil 5 and whatever the fuck was going on at that time. Yeah, the only games I can remember were like Dead Space and Condemned. Condemned? And those were the only yeah. ones. Those are the only ones that I thought were any any good that I can remember. Condemned for when they sent Condemned to our office at IGN, they sent, which is so funny, they sent like metal pipes and stuff like that, you know, because they used them to bash people in the head with them and they just sent all these like metal pipes to us. That's weird. And so we had these, we say like straight up weapons sometimes from people. <laughs> it was kind of crazy, the things that people used to send. Here's a nuclear reactor <laughs> to go still, with your copy of Fallout. Still, I've talked about it in the past, but if people want to see the craziest shit that any publishers ever sent out, Go look up when EA did Dante's Inferno and read about the stuff they sent everybody. It's fucking crazy. They sent people cash. They sent people all sorts of weird stuff, like stuff that was totally like where we had to write about it. Be like, this is totally inappropriate what you're doing, because it was the idea was like, like this big sins. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, here's a check for fifteen hundred bucks. And here's like, it's like, what? Like you, made out to the person and stuff. It's like, what are you doing? You can do this. That's really weird. Very you could have at least done like prop money or something there's a uh, there's you stories know? out there you guys can go read about that very very weird stuff never saw that happen again <laughs> jack finning wrote into us and said greetings c squared recently i began playing the dragon quest 11 s demo on the switch which came out earlier this week i sunk a bit of time into it before realizing that i pumped a number of hours into the demo which starts you off at the very beginning of the game players who've completed the demo said it takes them upwards of 10 hours to finish the story content only you can progress through the story do side quests explore and battle as much as you'd like and better yet you can carry your save file from the demo to the full game when it launches continuing the adventure i was pretty surprised to hear how much content is available as a whole why don't more games have demos as fleshed out as this it's a great question now I remember, I could be remembering this wrong, Chris, but I remember Final Fantasy X's demo, as I recall, which came with the bouncer, I think. I believe you could save in that and then bring it to the final game. So that kind of, I, I could be wrong, but I think that that was true. Yeah, and, and but there, 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 there are very, very few and far between had that functionality. But how would you feel about that? I, wouldn't it be kind of cool 
if every game had a demo that was the beginning of the game, so it wasn't like a, a, a whatever vertical slice you wanted, or you could just play the game up to a certain time, like yeah. download it, play it for a few, and then the save stays. I feel like that would be a good I selling point. Yeah, I think like uh, playing a game for like an hour or two before you actually have to commit to buying it would be a, a better step than a demo. And personally. Steam does that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, in a roundabout well, way. Well, yeah, yeah. You can buy it and then you can refund it if you've only played it for less than two hours or something, which I think is fine. It fucks over a lot of smaller indie games, but I, I don't know. The The whole demo thing is weird because like I, when I was a kid, I played demos to death to the point where I didn't care at all to get the full game, <laughs> like at all. Like I remember Mafia 2, I played the demo constantly. Because it was fine. It was just the game, basically. It was like you were locked off into this one section, but it was all I needed for free, you know? I was like, I'm not going to get Mafia 2 if I could just play Mafia 2 in like a shittier form for free. Demo you know? seemed like a much more important part of the ecosystem yeah. back in the day. It was and cooler when you could, when, when they were in discs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the, the smash packs and all that kind of stuff and the, yeah, but the combination underground. Yeah, but the combination of like instantly being able to just kind of grab something off the internet and just have it. It, it ruined it ruined Bionic Commando too because Bi- Bionic Commando that they made like a, a 3D like reboot remake thing, and it was actually like the multiplayer in that game was amazing. They had a multiplayer demo though, and it ruined it because there was like no reason to get the game. You could just play the multiplayer demo and have a blast. Yeah, but the Bionic Commando reboot was weird. Yeah, and they made a sequel to it as well as I think. Or no, they made a sequel to the. They did a. Bionic they did rearmed. Command, yeah, rearmed too. Yeah. That's right. Which was kind of like the more traditional sense. Yeah, Bionic Commando is an IP that's ripe for uh, for the picking. I think. I think so too. But to me, I, I wonder, I, I remember this move to to digitizing games and having every game available digitally, which PS4 did first for, in the PlayStation ecosystem. Vita mm-hmm. did it as well. Yeah. But you think that the next logical step would just to be ha- to have demos for every game, because I really do feel like there might be an, a, a bandwidth issue with that about constantly downloading shit and not buying it. But you would think that they would be most interested in selling these games. And what is the better way to sell a game than to just let a person play it for a little while? If you played Control for a half an hour and you realize you liked it, then that sells you on the game. It's better than it's better than review, reading reviews or even listening to us. And not not many things are better than listening to us. But that might be one of the things that would give you a, a more accurate uh, portrayal. Yeah. Well, I think the there another issue that's more common now is the fact that you can straight up just watch entire playthroughs of games. Now, when you really kind of couldn't back in the day, or like or back in the Xbox 360 days, you could, but it was like very new, and it wasn't something that was necessarily factored into any like business model. So if you could have like a, a like just some vertical slice of a game and just look up what happens maybe a lot of people would just be kind of set with that it's it's entirely plausible that that's a thing i think I mean, there whole- must be, there must be a reason why we don't have demos yeah I, I i think that you know when we do get them though people are always quite positive about them they're it's, positive it's, about them but do they translate to to sales, to yeah. sales? yeah that's a good point money talks and I, I, my assumption is that if they had any kind of hint uh, that demos did translate immensely well to sales, then we would have a lot more demos. That's a fair point, Chris. That's a very fair point. Yeah, I want I want people to make more educated purchasing decisions. So anything that helps them do that, I yeah. think would be positive. But 
what's good for the consumer and what's good for the corporation ultimately doesn't always line up, which is unfortunate because you think that those things would be synchronous with each other, but they, they certainly aren't. Anthony Polanco wrote into us and said, hey, CNC, with the recent acquisition of Insomniac by Sony, it seems like some of the bigger and more well-known independent developers are getting bought by rude giant publishers and other large companies, <laughs> i.e. Double Fine and Ninja Theory getting bought by Microsoft and others. I'm starting to wonder if there will be any big independent developers left in the near future. It seems like there is a recent frenzy out there of scooping up many of the developers and presumably paying top money for it. Do you expect this trend to continue? It seems like in some ways we are getting back to either having tr huge AAA games or small independent developers developed games, while the mid-range kind of game becomes eroded, similar to what we saw during the PS3 and Xbox 360 era. Just wanted to hear your thoughts. What? The middle market was like flourishing during the Xbox 360 era. Yeah, I understand what he's saying, though, because it did start to die towards that last Oh, well, yeah, happened. 100%. Yeah. But Chris, what do you think about this? Because from my perspective, this kind of ecosystem is actually probably pretty positive because it allows developers to not risk their own money and have big publishers and big umbrellas over them that can shield them from all sorts of shit and obviously fund their games. So it gives them less flexibility. But I actually think this this run on independent developers and buying them is probably good for games because Sony, for instance, has this obviously has this mantra of letting their studios do what they want. I can't speak to everyone, but there was even a Sean uh, Sean Layden interview I didn't discuss here because it was very businessy and very I don't know. He was just saying things that weren't very important. But one of the things he did reiterate was that they don't really go into the studios and tell them what to do. Now, obviously, they do to a degree. I mean, no one believes that. But I think that by just giving capital to studios and talented teams and giving them time, this is probably a much better situation. I mean, look what's happening with the Epic Game Store right now, right? There are these smaller developers that are giving their games up independently because they don't know that they're going to be able to make the money. It's basically as if Epic is buying the studio itself. Yeah. And so... It's a non-committal buy is what it is. Right. So that's probably the only other step that's going to allow some of these independent developers to thrive. Now, yeah, there is super giant and a bunch of super massive and a bunch of Quantic Dream. There's plenty of big independent studios. But Insomniac was the biggest independent studio in the world and they're no more. So, yeah, or they're not independent anymore. I don't know. I don't know that you should be so concerned. I think that this is going to be a good thing. Yeah. And we've got and we're getting new independent independent studios all the time. Bungie's famously newly independent it's a great again. Point. So, you know, who knows? That's a good point. James Walker wrote into us and said, salutations, cacophonous Colin and crotchety Chris. Okay. I recently popped my platinum cherry with Horizon Zero Dawn. And yes, Colin, it was good for me. I hate that term popping cherry. I don't like it. It's very vivid. It's, yeah. It's very vivid. Then followed it up with Spider-Man and I'm well on my way to getting the platinum on God of War. My question is this. If a game adds post-launch content like New Game Plus and DLC, do you still consider the game platinumed even though you are still missing some trophies tied to the game? I know in principle I have the trophy, so yes, I platinumed it, but maybe it's my OCD tendencies that don't allow me to feel like I have truly earned it. Thank you for your great insight and thank you for making Tuesdays great. No, platinumed means you got the platinum. <laughs> so that's what it means. It is unfortunate because what he's talking about is the percentage bar and, and for people that have been trophy hunting for a long time. It's been, what, 11 years now, more than 11 years. Back in the day, DLC lists used to be listed separately under games, so the 100% would remain that way. Mm -hmm. And actually, the Platinum Trophy counted to the 100%. A lot of people don't remember this, probably. So you would, like, if you had every trophy in the game but one bronze trophy, it would be at, like, 72%. And then when you got the extra bronze trophy, it would just go all the way to 100%. So they fixed that. Then they started putting the DLC in separate lists, but then having that affect the overall percentage. I don't care for that very much. It's annoying as shit because, like, Spider-Man, I have the Platinum Trophy in 77% of the trophies. There are Platinums for games that, with so many trophies and so much trophy support, that you have like 40% of the trophies. It is a little annoying for the mm -hmm. OCD people out there, but it's not the end of the world, certainly. Yeah. What I would like to see more of is our meaningful Platinums and big expansions. When Horizons expansion came out, I was shocked that that didn't have its own Platinum list. It had just like two trophies. I'm like, I'm not going to play this. 
Why would I do <laughs> you, that? You didn't play it? No. Because it, it didn't have trophies? No, I have other things to do. <laughs> Brent wrote in and said, Mafia 4, when will we see it? What is Hangar 13 doing? Chris, you were a Mafia fan or are a Mafia fan, correct? Mafia yeah, I played 3? the hell out of that demo. <laughs> the, but you didn't play Mafia 3? That came out from Hangar 13? That came out in I, I didn't play it. I think. I didn't play it. It was 2016 good. was a busy year also. That was. was like that was a pretty, you know, that was a heavy one. Well, Brent, I don't know. Mafia 4 I think will come out. Mafia 3 was big and empty. I think that the performances were really good. The story was really good. I love the racial stuff in it and all. It was very deep, very very anti-war, uh really provocative. I thought that that was really cool. Voice yeah. acting was great. But the game was empty and big and you know, I, I just I just didn't care about it after a while. Now, I think that Hangar 13, which is they're located right outside of San Francisco and they're owned by 2K. I think that they're going to work or are working on a Mafia game, but they could be working on the new Bioshock game. So I don't really know what's going on up there. It's one or the other. It could be both, too. Yeah. But I, I don't know for sure that Hangar 13 was allowed to stick around after Mafia 3 was a good sign because it wasn't that good. Yeah. But uh, letting them do Mafia 4 and giving them that time, I think, would be nice. And uh, Bioshock is percolating. I just don't know who's making it, but it could be them. It's been a it's been a hot minute since we've seen Bioshock, so it has. Well, Bioshock Any day now. Infinite came out in 2013, so it has been a long time. It has been a long time, and we don't even know what Ken Levine's project over there in Boston is either. He's talked a little bit about it, but he's been taking a sweet fucking time too, hasn't? Yeah. Chris, the final inquiry for the week is from Coulter Duffy. I don't believe that that's your real name. Good evening, CNC. See here. Uh, with more and more games having a consumer-friendly price point of less than $60, do you see this continuing in the next generation? Will games have variable price points that don't insulate reduced prices while AAA games' experiences may increase in price? Thank you for making Tuesdays great again because I'm no longer a freeloader that listens on Friday. Thank you so much, Coulter. Now, Chris, we've talked about this a lot in the past, but I wanted to bring up something really important because maybe we're not getting deep enough into how games are being priced in the various things we're seeing experimentally on PlayStation Network right now. That game, Erica, for instance, is 10 bucks. Yeah. I just bought, as we said earlier, Dreams Early Access. It's 30 bucks. The Predator game, I bet you was going to be $39.99. Yeah, I bet it's, it looks like a $40. The Last of Us is going to be 60 obviously. So I think maybe we're under... These are all first-party games. So Medieval, I, I, Medieval is definitely not 60 so... Right. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. So I think we're we're giving maybe not enough credit to Sony's exploration of of these games in their first and second party alone. Like Erica is an exclusive, so charging ten dollars for that is probably a major loss, especially because probably no one's even buying it or playing it. But they're doing it anyway. So I think that they're experimenting and seeing what's going on over there. So yeah, you can expect variable price points, but I just want everyone to steal themselves for the increase in AAA games prices. Yeah, that's gonna go up. There's no way. I will be shocked. If those games on PS5 are $59.99, I just don't know how they're going to roll this out and how they're going to tell people about it. It's going to be $69.99. Yeah, I think so, too. So how do you tell everyone? How do you how do you is it like the memory card thing with Vita where they told everyone two weeks before? <laughs> I think they. I think it's going to be like that. They, they, they'll they find out at launch. I know. Or like, or like when, when they when pre-order. Things, yeah, when they pre-order. It's going to be like, oh, 70. No, whatever. But I think you got to accept it, guys, because between inflation and just the increase in prices, We've been paying $60 for a long time. It's been like 10 years. So $60 yeah. is not worth $60. We used to pay more. Anymore. We used to pay more for less. Yeah, definitely. So. We used to pay a lot more. Dude, Fantasy Star 4 was $100 on Genesis in 1995. I paid for Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. I paid 80 bucks in 1994 in Toys R Us. I remember buying it. 80 bucks. I will say this. I'll pay I'll pay $100 if I don't have to sit through a fucking microtransaction-laden fucking storefront. Yeah. Well, you're going to do both, unfortunately. How sad. 
uh, I don't know. It is sad. That's a good note to end our show on. Sadness. <laughs> is that the last question? That's the last question. Oh, shit. That's, <laughs> That's depressing. Chris, we're going to go record Sacred Symbols Plus now, so we'll, you guys can look forward to that. Remember, if you're not a supporter of us on Patreon, Sacred Symbols Plus is doing really well. People are really enjoying it. Lots of exclusive episodes for you guys there, including one about violence in media and violence in video games, a first party draft yeah. where we talk about all the first party studios and what order we put them in in terms of strength. We talk about the studio Sony should buy next on the back of Insomniac. We're going to do a control spoiler cast next week or the week after, depending on... I, I We could do it next week, but I kind of want to give people enough time to get their questions and their comments in. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'm going to play that by ear. But we're going to do a mailbag one now because we have so many questions we haven't been able to answer. Our Dreams Let's Play will go up as well. So look forward to that. But otherwise, we appreciate your love, your kindness, and your, and your support of our show. I can't speak to that. Thank you for your forgiveness of that. <laughs> it's a good it's a good thing to have on podcast. I know. Day, Thank God. Right? Literally the only thing we have to do, and we can't do it. I can't talk good. We'll see you next time for more Sacred Symbols. Love you. Bye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded right here in sunny Santa Monica, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at NoTaxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gunn. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to the CLS P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algarit, Morgan Ashley, Taylor Barkley, Adam Barnes, Justin Bearden, Martin Beck, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Eli Blossford, Andrew Bonnell, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Eric R. Brown, Jimmy Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns. Chris Buston, Nick C, Alex Cabrera, Nick Calloway, Tom Cargill, Patrick Carper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Philip Crone, Daniel D'Amore, Colin Davenport, Mitchell Durkash, Zachary Douglas, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Martha Emery, Liam Fagan, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Chris Galvin, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wide Henry, Scott Hernandez, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphreys, Blake Israel, Azan Isa El Ricey, Josh Yeager, Garrett Jaggard, Jimmy Jalakura, Joshua Jonathan, Greg Julius, Anton Kay, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Auntie Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Kenneth Kopnick, Joshua Koga, Andre Kozachka, Ron Kroskoff, Jackson Lostiqua, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Duncan Leishman, Matthew Lenz, Jeffrey Leonard, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith A. Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, David Mann, Peter Mark, Matt Martin, Michael Martinez, Sean Mason, Jordan Mouse, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Philip J. Melk, Andrew Mendoza, Christopher Midling, Matthew Miller, Alex Moans, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Ryan Murdoch, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, George A. Nunez, Grayson Orr, Brian Ott, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Perdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Plymel, Tipo Poplier, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Sharo Kader Hama Karim, Andrew Ramos, 
Ramos, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Toby D. Riemenschneider, Daniel Rivas, Johnny Rosado, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Jose Salinas, John Schultz, Michael Shanholz, Toby Schutman, Glendon C. Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Daniel Strycharsk, Wesley Simmons, Ahmad Tamar, Will Thelander, Ben Thompson, Ren Todd, Carl Tolman, Alan Tremblay, Raymond Vargas, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Connor Walton, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Josh Wire, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Hugo's Desk, Organic Produce, Jeff, Casual Misfits Gaming, Supershot ST, Homeworld Hub, Throw7, Infinite, Mad Mock Media, Fabian, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Richter86, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Scott, Rainick, Donk2015, and Gavin. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.